and welcome to this week's episode of Educated Spending. I'm your host, Katie Rourke, and this week we have part two of our episode. If you did not listen to part one last week, I would recommend going back and listening to that one first as we do refer back to some things that we've talked about. I also have one quick announcement before we get into it. I launched a new Instagram page dedicated to the podcast. So if you want to go ahead and follow at Educated Spending on Instagram, you can DM us there with questions and find all kinds of different financial literacy tips and information about each of our episodes. Okay, so I am back this week with Krista and Rachel, my two registered dietitians, and we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the topics we talked about last week and dive more into the topic of food waste and sustainability. So thank you guys so much for being back here with me this week. Thanks so much for having us back. Thanks, Katie. Happy to be back. All right. So I have tons of questions. We also have a couple questions from some listeners about how to properly store food, when to freeze food, how to freeze food, how to basically, we talked a lot last week about how you can get the best bang for your buck at the grocery store and how important it is to make sure that that food lasts for as long as possible so that you actually can utilize it, eat it, and not waste it for the most part. So what are some tips that you guys have for, for that? Definitely, definitely. I mean, food sustainability is so important and managing food waste because 30 to 40% of the U.S. food supply is wasted. And a lot of that happens at the consumer level. Right, right. That's a that's lot. Mind, that's a mind-blowing statistic. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the food that's wasted is at the consumer level. So after we come home from the grocery store, whatever. We bought strawberries. I saw this video once for grad school and it's the life of a strawberry. And this poor little (laughs) strawberry started in its cart. It's going through the growing and processing ends up in its carton at the grocery store and then ends up pushed in the back of the fridge and gets all moldy and it ends with the little strawberry in the trash. It's the saddest (laughs) little video. (laughs) But so last week we talked about before you go to the grocery store, it's important to take stock of what you already have in your refrigerator. And Rachel had talked about part of that is making sure that things are clean and organized. You can see what you have. So when you get back from the grocery store, it's going to be easier to store things properly because you're already organized and your refrigerator is already clean. Always go by the rule first in, first out. Just like working at a restaurant, if you bought it first, it needs to be used first. You bought it last, maybe it's something that has a little bit of a longer life that can go in the back of the fridge until you use the same item that you bought first, whatever the case may be. I was thinking, um, I was reading an article recently and about food sustainability and they were talking about how um, our diet and how we eat, it can actually impact the environment the most. So on a personal level. So from what we're able to do as consumers, really just changing some things and how we think about food. So, you know, how we purchase our foods at the store or wherever it may be, how we actually eat, what foods we choose, how much food we waste, those things can really um, have a huge impact on on the environment as a whole. Um, So I think maybe one thing that could be interesting is just kind of taking a step back and looking at, all right, we come home from the supermarket, how do we make our food last longer? 
you know, from, from right when it comes back to the store and we are storing our food. So I'd like to first maybe think about like, what do you do, Krista, with certain vegetables? Like, do you store certain things in the fridge or do you, what do you keep on the counter? Like, how do you know where it should be stored so it lasts longer? I feel like sometimes not knowing where it should be stored for optimum freshness leads to a lot of issues mm-hmm. and um, it ends up, you know, you throw out way more than you should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And especially if you're trying new foods and then you buy them, you don't know what to do with them. Or, right, we talked a lot about recipes, making new recipes, and that might mean trying ingredients we've never tried before. A lot of this stuff can really be easily found on the internet. So the internet's a wonderful thing. And we were talking about before we started recording that some of us do things differently than friends. So asparagus is a perfect example. I used to get my asparagus in the bag when I got home from the grocery store. I threw it right into the crisper drawer. My old roommate, who's also a dietitian, she would put her asparagus upright in a glass of water or wrapped in a wet paper towel. When I'm looking up how to properly store different fruits and vegetables, that's exactly how asparagus should be stored to help it last longer. The other interesting thing about asparagus is it can absorb some other scents. So you just want to make sure you cover it so that when you cook it, it smells as good as it tastes. Some common ones that we really know would be apples, right? Everyone knows how to store an apple, we thought. And then before we started recording, we talked about how I put my apples directly into the refrigerator because I want them to last longer. So if you left it on the counter, it's not going to last as long. And as usual, I'm doing it wrong. And I was leaving mine on the counter. I have a nice bowl filled with my rotten apples. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not bad. Like, Rach, you had said you like the temperature of the apple better when it's on the counter. You don't want to bite into a cold apple. Mm -hmm. So, again, it's personal preference. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know that maybe you only buy a couple or maybe you put some in the fridge so that they last longer and you leave some on the counter, right? Mm-hmm. But once they start to get soft, once they've been on the counter for a while, they should go in the refrigerator. But before that, they can be stored loose on the counter. Apples and bananas are two fruits that emit the enzyme ethylene mm-hmm. that can ripen the other fruits around it faster. So if you put bananas that are ripening next to a potato or next to like berries, you could potentially speed up the ripening process and make something go bad faster that's being stored with it. That is a good point. That is something I remember from school. And um, one thing that it really does help with is sometimes you do want things to speed up ripening like the avocados. And that made me think, you know, we were talking with some of our friends about avocados and (laughs) turned into this whole conversation about how you know, you buy these avocados, they all go ripe at the same time, and then you don't use them, or you have to eat five avocados in one day. (laughs) And nobody really wants to do that unless you're going to make guacamole. So that's, it's just a, it's a tricky thing. And avocados are expensive too. So I know we've thought about some different ways that you can make them last longer. And maybe it's not buying, you know, a whole bag of them, or maybe it's just being a little more strategic with your avocados. So For example, you might, what I do sometimes is I'll leave a couple on the counter to ripen that I'll use that week. And then the other ones I'll put in the fridge and they actually last a good bit of time in the fridge if they're not fully ripened when you put them in at that time. So 
that can be helpful. And um, I was looking up other uses for avocados, like beyond just actually eating them. And turns out there's a, a lot of natural beauty um, uses for them. So you can make like your own face mask. Um, there was some like a avocado honey face mask. So you can mix a few different ingredients together that actually have a bunch of nutrients and moisturizing properties. And so it's also another, another way to use your avocados other than eating them. That's such a good thing to think about too, because I, I think back to when I was living alone um, or like with roommates and buying my own groceries. And a lot of times avocados were the thing, like I'd, I'd eat half of one for dinner and then not use the other half or, you know, put it in the fridge and it was brown by the next day. But I was also spending money on all these beauty products. So I'm like, had I just been able to utilize my avocado, I could have killed two birds with one stone rather than, you know, wasting half an avocado every other day. So talking about some of the storage of some other foods. So berries, red peppers should be stored really dry. Whereas some other vegetables like broccoli might do better if you missed it before you put it in the, into the refrigerator. The crisper drawers, take advantage of the crisper drawers. They're made for a reason so that they can keep your food better longer. Also pay attention to thinking about the airflow of your refrigerator. So the door of the fridge is the warmest spot in the refrigerator. So don't put anything on the door that's going to spoil. It's not a good place for milk. I recently made that mistake with half and half. I should know better. I'm a dietitian. I had my half and half on the drawer. It went bad so quickly. So that door should be a place where you're going to put your condiments, but not any dairy products. Um, I wouldn't put any fruits or vegetables in the drawer either. You know, I mean, on the door, I'm sorry, the crisper drawer is the best place for most of those. And then you also, we were talking about separating a little bit. So separating some of those fruits that create the enzyme ethylene that are speeding up the, the ripening process. You also want your potatoes, your winter squash, those should be stored in a cold, dark place. They shouldn't be on the counter, definitely not in the fridge. You don't want sunlight to hit those when they're out on the counter. So, you know, some people, if you have a basement, I know my parents had like this pantry, so they would keep them in the pantry, um, kind of in the bottom. At home, I kind of just toss them in the bottom of my, <laughs> my uh, food storage area, but whatever works for you there. When I worked in cardiac rehab, one of the main things I would talk to patients about is planning your meal around the vegetable. So in the U.S., we plan our meal around the meat. Okay, so we're having steak. What goes with steak? Okay, I'm going to have potatoes. Okay, I guess I have to have a vegetable. All right, maybe I have a salad or maybe I have some broccoli or asparagus. Instead of that, making half of your plate veggies and saying, okay, I have a winter squash that I'm going to use, a, a butternut squash. Hmm, what do I want to have with my butternut squash? Oh my gosh, I'm going to put it on top of sauteed kale. Maybe I'll put a little bit of nuts in it. I'll make it into a salad. And then, oh yeah, some chicken would be really good on that. I want some protein. So starting with your vegetables as your base and building up and thinking of the protein, maybe a little bit more of a seasoning versus the main event at your meal. And that kind of goes more into the Mediterranean diet pattern, which is one of the healthiest diet patterns. It's been recommended really similar to the DASH diet. Yeah. So right, right, more beans, less red meat. So it's better for the planet. But some of those things are 
are good for your budget too. So better for you, better for the planet and better for your wallet. Yeah, that's something we touched upon a little bit last week was the idea that eating healthy has to be more expensive. And I think thinking about it in the way that that you just mentioned, you know, I think about the cost of of a spaghetti squash, like, you know, it's a, a couple of dollars. And if that can be the main ingredient in your dinner, then the cost savings can be really big and it's super healthy. Um, and then, yeah, thinking about like, oh, put a little bit of chicken on top if we're going to portion it out for what I can afford for the week. It can be a good way to still eat healthy and, and make it go a little bit further with your budget. Definitely. It makes me also think about, um, you know, we talk about these different eating patterns like the Mediterranean diet that are promoting good health and also promoting the health of the environment, but um, makes me also think about not only what we eat, but how we eat too. So I think this has been a little bit more trendy over the years, but the whole concept of mindful eating is something that we can incorporate into our style of eating that really can help all, all these factors. So basically it just means like being more aware of what you're eating, how much you're eating, enjoying food more, making it more of a pleasurable process that engages all of your senses. So, you know, not, not only the taste, but also, you know, looking at your food, smelling your food, really just being more present during the eating process. So by doing that, basically, you know, you're more in tune with how much you need to eat. So you're less likely to waste food because you're kind of eating more slowly, paying more attention to your fullness cues, your hunger cues, so you know when to stop eating and how much over time, like your body will actually need to eat. Right, and right along with that process, I find that being more interactive with my food is what makes me appreciate it. So unless I'm at a really nice restaurant that has food that is just out of this world, I do appreciate the food more when I cook it at home or when I'm more involved in the process. So, you know, we talked last week about making these complicated recipes. Katie had talked about how she was making different, three different complicated recipes at once. And it does bring this certain level of appreciation that you went through this process Mm -hmm. of you men for us buying the ingredients, right? Back in the day, growing the ingredients or, right, if anyone has their own little vegetable garden or herb garden, great for you, great for your wallet to grow some of your own vegetables or herbs. But more involved you are with the process if you're gardening or if you're going to the store, if you're going to the farmer's market. I mean, that's a really fun experience and it helps you buy in season and locally. So you're supporting your other local business and buying in season a lot of times is more affordable than buying, I don't know, the the apples that came from Florida, the oranges that came from Florida because it's winter in New England or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think it's tough sometimes because you like want, like I want berries to be in season all the time because now they're expensive and taste bad. Mm -hmm. So it's a challenge to, to do that sometimes, but then it also helps you to be more creative and try other fruits and vegetables and things like that, that are more seasonal. So I do one of the, the vegetable, the fruit and vegetable deliveries. So Mm -hmm. the one that I like is called hungry harvest. So it's one of the, they, rescue the ugly fruits and vegetables from the grocery store. And so I get a weekly delivery. They have all different sizes. You can do organic or not organic, but it's a really fun way for me 
to try new things. I get some fruits and vegetables in there that I don't know what they are. I don't know what to do with them, uh, how to cook them. So it's fun for me as someone who likes to cook and who likes to eat to try these new fruits and vegetables. And then it's pretty affordable. I pay 15 bucks for what they call the mini harvest. That's usually all the fruits and vegetables that me and my partner need in a week. Wow, that's incredible. As you mentioned, so you can add on certain extra staples. So it helps to reduce the number of times that you actually have to go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Um, The ones that I've tried were misfits and imperfect foods. So they both had a similar type of model where they're rescuing food that would normally be a surplus and the stores won't take it or they have too much of it or like there's cosmetic imperfections like you've mentioned. So um, the one thing I do recommend though is don't order a box that's too big for you because (laughs) then you run into the food waste problem again. (laughs) Right. Which I have done because you know sometimes they you don't always get to pick what you want or like they'll give you a whole bunch extra. I remember getting like uh, one where I had all these celery roots I had like 10 celery roots. I don't know if you've ever seen a celery root before, but it looks like this like round, hairy. (laughs) (laughs) It looks disgusting, but once you peel the outside, it's really good and you can mash it. And it's kind of like a cross between a potato and a celery, if you can imagine that, like for flavor and it has the texture of a potato, but it can be really tasty once prepared, but you know, it's one of those things that you don't want to have for the like two weeks straight celery root every day as well. (laughs) Right. You make a good point. You have to be open to trying new things. Like I don't have, I really don't have any dislikes for fruit and fruits and veggies. I've not Mm -hmm. always been this way. This is like something that happened (laughs) in my twenties or when I became a dietitian, but I like all fruits and vegetables. I they're all delicious. The ones I don't know, I'm willing to try them or cook with them. The one that I'll get a lot that I have a hard time with, but I still will accept it is different types of greens, like the mm-hmm. collard greens or sometimes the beet greens. What to do is just like be creative with things and it really can lead to just exploring different tastes and learning to cook some new things. Right. And repurposing your leftovers. I mean, we talked about getting taste fatigue, not wanting to eat the same thing over and over. I can eat the same thing for a very long time, but I understand that not everyone is like that. Yeah. (laughs) Two pans of lasagna last week and I've eaten it every night for dinner and I'm good. (laughs) But what I could have done is we made two pans of lasagna. I could have frozen one of them easily, Mm. put one in the container and put it in the freezer and it's going to last for months in there. That's a good point. That's a good segue. There's so much we could talk about freezing. (laughs) Yeah, because that's, so freezing is something that we talked about a little bit last week, um, how, you know, when you come home from the grocery store, you can freeze, you know, the extra meat or put it in, Krista, you said you put it in little bags and kind of portion it out so that you have food for the week. And I think that it's something that's a little bit more of a, norm thing like I know that's something that my mom did growing up and that's something that I would I do all the time but what you were just saying with making a full lasagna and putting it in the freezer I don't think people will necessarily always think about that and that's where I think I run into my issues is I'll make a large portion it's just my husband and I and then we have these huge thing of leftovers and I 
And I know that we won't necessarily eat it before it goes bad in the fridge. So like, can I, what can and can't I put in the freezer? How should I package it? I have all the questions. How long does it last? <laughs> right. I mean, I freeze, I don't want to say almost everything, but I like to think of it that way. Mm-hmm. I like to think I can freeze everything. So last week I talked a lot about freezing bananas. So to freeze your bananas, you peel them. I break them apart with my hands. You can be neater than me and cut them with a knife. And then I'll put it in a freezer bag. Make sure you peel it. When I first started freezing my bananas, I made the mistake of thinking you could throw them in whole. You'll never get that peel off. (laughs) Same other types of fruits. Any, you can freeze any fruit, just anything that needs to be peeled, peel it, anything that needs to be pitted or chopped. That way it's ready for a smoothie. Or what I've done too, is if you freeze your fruit, I'll put it in the microwave and then put it in oatmeal, homemade oatmeal in the winter, or even in yogurt, especially if it's berries. I don't mind that kind of coldness. Or if I warm it up in the microwave, that doesn't bother me. And then I'll just put it in with my plain yogurt. And the extra kind of juice that comes out from freezing it makes my yogurt a nicer flavor, a little bit more of a berry flavor. So it's definitely different than using fresh, but it's still good if you like that flavor. Mm-hmm. I also I love that too. <laughs> yes, frozen blueberries with in milk with cereal is like a dessert. It's magic. <laughs> yeah, frozen fruit is really great for so many uses. Just like you said, like oatmeal. I do the same thing with oatmeal and yogurt. And, um, you know, then you have, if you want to make pancakes on the weekend, you could throw them in your pancakes, throw them in a smoothie. Ooh. So it's definitely good to have those at hand. One thing I really like to freeze, <laughs> which, which sounds kind of strange, is some baked goods. Now you have to like look up with most things, if you're not sure if you should freeze it or not, just look it up on the internet and it will tell you, you can find information as to how to store it properly in order to freeze it, or if you should not freeze it. But I tend to have the same mindset as you, Krista, where it's just like, I feel like I can freeze most things. And like, I have like done, froze a lot of things and, and most do turn out pretty well. I would say spaghetti squash is not the greatest frozen though. (laughs) Maybe, maybe I did it wrong, but it was very watery. So maybe if you kind of drained some of that out. But um, when I was living with roommates and we weren't sharing food, it was just like me cooking and kind of eating the same thing very frequently, but I would get that taste fatigue after like three days of eating the same thing. So, but then I'd have, you know, I'd make like five or so portions. So I would end up freezing like two and then in in individual like Tupperware containers and then taking them out and just whenever I needed a meal, whether it be for dinner, I didn't feel like cooking or just had nothing else to take for lunch. It was just a go-to meal and then it offered variety later on. So that was a good thing as a single person when you're not sharing. And then you could totally do it like a whole lasagna like you had mentioned. Right, I think that's key is knowing how you wanna eat it later. So if you're just cooking for one, making, like you said, Rage, in these individual, basically making your own frozen meals, right? Mm -hmm. So you can put it in its own little container. You can put an already already cooked chicken. You can put veggies, whatever you want to put in there in its own little frozen container and then take it out when you're ready to eat it. Or you can batch freeze. So if you batch, if I made my big lasagna, I can batch freeze and put that into the freezer. And I always make sure it's in a well-sealed container. You don't want it in open air. And again, look at the temperatures of your freezer. Make sure your freezer is clean. 
make sure nothing's getting pushed to the back, same as everything with the refrigerator. And something interesting too that I came across is that when something gets the ice crystals on it, the freezer burn, that doesn't mean it's gone bad. It doesn't mean that there's a bacteria or something growing on it. It doesn't mean it went bad. It's more of a quality issue. So if it was in your freezer and you know that your freezer was running the whole time, it didn't stop and things thawed out and then refroze, you know it was in your freezer, it was good, and it gets some crystals on it, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to throw it out. Right. Yeah, that's something good to think about. I think sometimes you're like, oh, this is, this seems kind of hard. It looks too frozen. And then you chuck it. Right. Maybe right. it was just in a colder spot in the freezer. Who knows what, but generally just, you know. And again, it doesn't affect the taste that much, then it shouldn't be an issue. Mm -hmm. And again, same as the refrigerator, the door is the warmest spot. So something that you really, like, I would never put raw meat on the door. I'm not going to put ground meat, something that I'm freezing because I want to use later, that's not going to go on the door. That's going to go in the back of the refrigerator. Right. So talking about uncooked meats, if it's not ground, can last up to 12 months in your freezer. If it's ground, it's much less, three to four months. Same poultry, not cooked, nine months. If it's a whole bird, a whole turkey or chicken. I don't know who has space for that, but if you do, again, 12 months. So some of these things can last a long time. Already cooked food might be a little bit less. So like a soup or a stew, a casserole, the lasagna, two to three months. So if you're someone, if you need to date it so that you know when you put it in there to make sure you don't throw it out prematurely, put a date on it. That's yeah, not a bad thing. I definitely recommend that. My past roommate, she would date everything. And at first I was like, wow, this girl's like really doing a lot here with this dating. And then I was like, and then I started doing it and I was like, why would I, why would you not date your stuff? How the heck would you know how long it's been in there for? So it just becomes something that's like, it is really good to keep track of that because otherwise you don't know. And then you could risk, you know, it just not being safe to eat or you end up throwing stuff out because you're, you have no idea how long it's been in there. Yeah, that's such a good point because I definitely do that with my food in the freezer. I try to be really good about portioning out like the you know smaller amounts of meats. And a lot of times when I come home from the grocery store, I just put my stuff right into the freezer unless I know I'm going to cook it that day or the, the next day because I don't want to waste it. Um, and so that way I, I kind of know I, I can make my decision the day of. Also, that way I don't have to, I like to keep a bunch of food stocked in my freezer because I'm not like you, Krista, and I can't eat the same thing every day. And <laughs> if I don't totally feel like eating it, I won't. So sometimes it's hard for me to plan my whole week of food because like, you know, Friday comes around and I wanted, I thought I was going to want chicken or, or I thought I was going to eat chicken. I'm like, I just don't want chicken. And then I'll mm -hmm. like be rummaging in my pantry for something random so if I put it in the freezer, I have a little bit more, I feel like I have a little bit more control over what I decide I want that particular day. And I, I can loosely plan, which I think having some sort of plan is also extremely important, especially if you are going to freeze because you have to have enough time to take it out and thaw it before you're ready to cook. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that's where storing in smaller quantities, smaller containers can sometimes be easier. If you're someone who you like a variety, you know that you're not going to eat the same thing every day. 
Like I talked about last week, I would get the fish in the individual vacuum sealed bags or I would freeze my chicken breast in an individual bag. That can be defrosted really quickly. I would mm-hmm. could come home from the gym, put it in cold water, cold running water, and it would be defrosted within 20 minutes. And then it's, you know, you're only cooking one piece of fish or one little piece of chicken. That cooks real easy. You can put it in the pan or put it in the oven. So that at least makes it easier if you know yourself and know that you can't eat the same thing all the time, freezing smaller quantities so that you can come home and defrost it versus coming home and you have a frozen lasagna that's going to take <laughs> right days to defrost or a frozen turkey that's going to take days to defrost and days to cook. I mean, <laughs> then you're in trouble. Right. That's true. Yeah. I think that's crazy how quick things can thaw out. I was doing the same thing with chicken, chicken breast the other day and I was pretty surprised how quick it thawed out. Um, but it just, this just made me think of something that actually could be helpful. You know, if you're if you want to prep in advance and have something in the freezer, they have those um, recipes for the crock pot meals. So you can like, you chop everything up, put the sauce in, put your meat in, whatever, all in like a big gallon size bag. And then you just dump it into your crock pot, your slow cooker. And it's a very quick and easy meal. It just requires some prep in advance. Yeah, that's great. The other that's, thing that's a prep in advance and only a little bit of work on the day of type of meal, which is like, sign me up. <laughs> right. Like one of those things you could take advantage of the sales, like we talked mm-hmm. about last episode. So, you know, if there's whatever chicken thighs are on sale, you could buy and you want to make several of these meals, you know, you could, you could find several meals that have chicken thighs and, you know, prep them all in your gallon size bags and be slow cooker ready for whenever you have a busy day. Right. And then you can do it over the course of like weeks or months, because I think like in my mind, I'm like, I buy that huge thing of chicken thighs and, you know, I'll be eating chicken thighs for two weeks, but you don't necessarily have to eat it that week or the following week. If you're going to put it in the freezer, you can spread it out over a much longer amount of time. So you don't end up with that taste fatigue or like, you know, I never want to see another chicken thigh in my life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And that's, And that's a really good point is that one of our friends, when we were talking about making this episode, she said, I wish they sold smaller packages of chicken. And in your episode with Kelly, she said something similar. Why don't they serve half loaves of bread? Mm. Just because you buy it in that big package doesn't mean the whole package needs to be frozen or the whole package needs to go in the refrigerator. You can open up the package. You can marinate some of the the chicken or whatever it is, put it in a bag with a marinade, say, okay, I'm going to cook this tomorrow and then put some of it in individual bags in the freezer. Same with the bread. You open up the bread, you can take half a loaf, leave it in the bag, take the other half a loaf, put it in a bag, put it in the freezer. Mm-hmm. I do that. And it's like, then you just have bread in your fridge whenever you want a couple slices, you just pop them in the toaster. Mm-hmm. You just can't defrost it and then think it's going to be good on a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. I don't, nah. <laughs> you yeah. Pass it. If you got some probably soggy bread situation. Right. Has to be the toast, like you said, or grilled cheese sandwich, something where the bread's going to get some of that extra moisture out of it. Exactly. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to talk about too is repurposing. So there's different websites where you can put in exactly what ingredients you have, and it will give you a recipe with just those ingredients. So I find this fun, maybe because I'm a dietitian. I like that feeling, like when you really need to go to the grocery store and you don't have that much left, 
and you're like, what can I make that's new? So there's different websites. Um, one of the ones I found is Fridge to Table, and you can just type in what everything is, and then it will give you a recipe. I came across another one. I'll see if I can find it. I think you, you're making a really good point. You've both kind of gone back to this a couple of times about finding new different recipes or being challenged to use new different ingredients. And I think for someone who likes to go out to eat and is not motivated to cook at home because they only make, you know, chicken, steak, and fish, and they every week, like that's all they know how to make. Cause like I've fallen into that, that kind of funk. And it's like, I don't want to eat my own cooking anymore because I'm sick of it and it's bland. But if I take that extra time to be challenged to figure out a cool recipe that tastes amazing or a new ingredient that I have to figure out how to use, it does motivate me to eat at home. And then if I like it for the first time, I'm so much more excited to eat the leftovers too. So I waste less and I'm not spending money on a rest at a restaurant. Yeah. I think especially during the pandemic where like there are less options for going out to eat, being able to find those ways to get excited about eating in your own home right. <laughs> can be so really true. helpful. Yeah. Finding like being creative and just utilizing different ways to even replicate things that you like from restaurants, I think mm -hmm. can be interesting sometimes. So, you know, as dietitians, we have definitely come across ways to like healthify common items. So, you know, like a healthier Chinese food or make your own pizza at home with the holy crust or, you know, things like that, that you can still kind of get that same taste that you're looking for, but doing it at home. So you can kind of control the ingredients and then you're also potentially saving money too. Yeah. Right. The other website I was thinking of is called My Fridge Food and you just put right in the ingredients that you have in your fridge. So I think I was playing with it and I put in cauliflower, cheese, eggs. I put a couple other things and then it came up with those cauliflower cheesy bites. So it just gives you a recipe out of exactly what you have, which is really fun. And then re going back to, yeah, I have never, I haven't actually used it, but I've heard a lot about it. So I think that it could be useful if you're not creative and in inventing your own recipe, or maybe you don't know what flavors you really like, you can play with that. And then, oh, Rach, you were talking about the pizza or healthifying different recipes. Last week, I talked about like staple ingredients. So mm -hmm. having certain ingredients in your fridge that never go bad. And for me, I said that's different colored peppers and onions. And one of the things I really like to make is the a pita bread pizza because I can buy whole wheat pita bread. I can put the pita bread in the freezer and then jars of tomato sauce, tomato basil sauce, and then I have those veggies. So that's a meal that I don't need to do a lot of prep work for or planning. And I can just take the pita bread out of the freezer. I can put my tomato sauce on it. I saute my veggies, put it on top, and then sprinkle cheese on top and put the whole thing in the oven. That's really good. So basically, you, you find that like those certain things never go bad for you because you have all these good good recipes that use these things in versatile ways that are simple and they're like go-to recipes that you can use, you can make over and over again and even tweak so that you even have some variety, it seems, if you, you know, you can make different types of pizzas or 
different quesadillas or tacos or whatever it may be with those items. Right. Put it into a sauce with my spaghetti squash or my black bean pasta or my regular pasta. (laughs) (laughs) This is giving me an idea for a a TV. It reminds me of of Chopped. Except a yeah. version of where you use what you have that's in the fridge, in the freezer, in your pantry. Right, right. Like a challenge, like making it into a game. And I'm not saying wait to the grocery store until to go to the store until you have nothing. I mean, that's not the point, but really mm-hmm. utilizing what you already have instead of feeling like you need to go to the store because you have no meat. Yeah, I think for me, like a lot of times, like I said, I'll have a bunch of meat in my freezer and I'll pull that out. And then I'm like, well, I have nothing, like, what am I going to make with this? And then I just have like a bunch of meat sitting on my counter thawing. And I, I should use those, um, websites to see what I can utilize that I already have in my pantry, because I will just go to the store and be like, oh, I'll just get whatever to go with this. Then one, I'm spending way more time going to the grocery store, you know, multiple times a week. And I have stuff at home that's going bad, I'm sure. And I'm not utilizing those ingredients. So I think that's such a good tip. The other thing, I was listening to one of your old episodes and you were talking about how you bought carrots for a recipe mm-hmm. and how you have no idea what else you would use those carrots for. Mm-hmm. Sit in the fridge. If something's not central to a recipe, you don't have to put it in it. Yeah, so you're going to buy a whole thing of carrots, but really the recipe only calls for whatever, a fourth of a cup or a little bit of shredded carrot. And you're like, I don't even eat carrots. I don't like them. Just don't buy them. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Or maybe there's something even similar that you have in the fridge that you could just replace it with. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a great idea. I don't like carrots, but I'll use whatever for me. Hold on, we'll put my peppers on top or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You still get that like crunch and veggie. So mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's a good point because I did, I bought a whole bag of shredded carrots, which also I could have definitely shredded them myself, but I was feeling lazy and they did go bad. I, I remember after that episode, I threw them away because I don't really like carrots, especially like shredded carrots. I guess I, I probably sprinkled them on like a salad, but it was a huge bag. I, I'm, Dan doesn't like carrots. I, I don't know. There was nothing I could do with them. I'm not going to like get handfuls of carrots out of the <laughs> bag and just eat them. And you just made such a good point, right? If you had bought the whole carrots, not yep. already shredded, it would have been yeah. a lot cheaper. And then you could have used them for a lot more things. Mm-hmm. And they probably would have lasted longer too. Cause I yes. think so, like when you have something shredded, it tends to go bad. Right. It's already like, prepared. Right. Yeah. Convenience costs. Yep. Yeah. I feel like we're just highlighting all the ways that I make mistakes. <laughs> no. I'm trying to be better. Um, all right. I, I got an idea for like a rapid fire question game that I want to play with you guys because we talked a lot about like, you know, storing different foods and Christy, you had said like, you would, you would think that everyone knows how to store apples or whatever it is. So I'm going to list different items and then you guys have to say what, how you think they would best be stored. And then we'll see who's the superior dietitian. (laughs) (laughs) And so you have to get out of the Google sheet because it says the answers. (laughs) <laughs> I can't cheat. No, you can't cheat. I want to hear your what you really think without cheating. <laughs> Can I hide myself? 
still be in the dark. <laughs> you, it's so like you know competitive people because Chris is like, I'm like, I'm gonna cheat. <laughs> um, okay, Krista, you'll answer this one first, and then we'll switch off whoever answers first. In case you steal, so you can't just always steal from the other person. Citrus fruits. So those are best in a mesh bag, so it's breathable in the refrigerator. And I put mine in the crisper drawer. Rachel, oh, yeah, do you I have mine out on the counter right now. Krista, <laughs> <laughs> that was correct. Mesh bag in the fridge. Okay, greens and fresh herbs. Rachel, excuse me. Okay. Um, Keep them in a, a sealed bag, so you, you probably don't want them exposed to air, my guess, or they'll start to go bad. And you don't want them wet either. Like, there's times where I've, like, gotten greens from, like, a farmer's market or something like that and wash them off and then have put them, you, you want to make sure that once you wash them, you pat them dry with paper towels or let them air dry. Or if you have a salad spinner, that's another way. Probably more sustainable, actually, if you have one of those, so you have to waste any paper towels. <laughs> and if they get wilty, you can bring them back to life by soaking them in an ice bath. That is good. I have done that before, actually, and it works. I, the other day, learned that with scallions, if you cut them and then put them in a cup of water, they grow back. Really? Yes. <laughs> like, That's beautifully. Yeah, so I'll never buy scallions again. I'm just keep growing them. And just like, I don't even have a window in my kitchen. I just put it in a cup, like a juice cup with water. And three days later, they're back. So I taught you something. One of my <laughs> other dietitian friends always plants her avocado pit. And she's grown like a tree. I don't know if she's grown an avocado yet. I don't know that we have the right climate for it. But she plants her avocado pit. That's Dan, pretty cool. Dan's growing an avocado plant. He started in March, like at the beginning of quarantine. And it has, it's like grown a lot. It has really big leaves, but um, I don't think it's going to, there's no way the trunk will support an avocado for, for <laughs> years to come. <laughs> and it's in my house. I like, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens, but it did work. I was very surprised. Yeah, that reminds me of a few summers ago, my dad, like my parents have fresh mint in their yard and fresh, I think someone had given them fresh basil and my dad put it in a glass, a water glass, wrapped it in a wet paper towel, the bottom of it, and it lasted all summer and kept growing and he would bring it places. Oh, let me get my fresh basil. We're going to this person's house and I want <laughs> to put it on top of my salad. It became like a staple part of everywhere we were going that summer. I'm pretty sure we brought it camping. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, that's a good point because like I, I love fresh basil and if you buy the leaves, it, they, well, at least I'm probably storing them incorrectly, but I feel like they brown within like, you know, two days and I generally only use one or two leaves on the, on the first day. And I was looking at like, should I get a basil plant or should I be putting them in water? Like, I don't know. I guess I should look it up, but that's a plant is worth it. Like if, especially if you don't have a lot of space for like a whole garden last summer, I just bought a basil plant from stop and shop and it was like under $10 and lasted the mm -hmm. whole summer. You know, you just got to make sure it's watered. 
I left it outside and it was great to just be able to go out and break off a few leaves and, you know, you could chop them up and put on a pizza or on your pasta or like, at one point there was a whole bunch of leaves that was enough to make a pesto. So I did. It's like definitely worth it cost wise. And it's just really nice having fresh herbs to just throw in throw on your food, throw in a salad even, it gives it, we had mint and we made tzatziki for the first time, which was so good. So that was like nice that you could just make that whenever, because I would say the mint's like key for the tzatziki. Right. And you're saving money because you're growing it. Mm -hmm. Right. Those little, yeah, they're expensive and it's like a little thing. And, And like I said, usually they, I don't use the whole package of them because they get brown before I'm able to use them. So I definitely think that's a a really good way to save money. And like you were saying, being able to use the basil to make pesto, pesto is so expensive. Like Mm -hmm. I can only imagine what kind of a cost savings you saw with your $10, like how many times do you used it with your $10 basil plant? So I guess Mm -hmm. I'll get one next summer because I I did think about it this summer, but I also have a brown thumb. So (laughs) I I don't know if it would last. (laughs) We got derailed with our game. Yeah, we got, we got excited. <laughs> okay, Krista, this is a challenging one. Oh, no. Celery. Oh, so I found when I was researching that you can wrap it in foil. So you already can... cheated for the game. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> I did. You can wrap it in foil to prevent the ethylene gas from speeding up the ripening process. And definitely should be in the fridge. Again, I leave my celery in the plastic bag that I that it comes in. So I mm-hmm. leave it in the bag and I put it in the crisper drawer. It lasts a long time. Very rarely have I had celery go bad. And if it starts to get floppy where I'm like, not eating this raw anymore. I talked last week about how I make my own veggie stock out of my veggie stocks, mm-hmm. out of my veggie scraps to reduce waste. Mm-hmm. I put celery is really yummy in a veggie stock. So I'll, if it starts to get floppy or gets down to those little pieces, I put it in the veggie stock. I even before, when I wash my celery and chop off the ends, I put that in the veggie stock too. All right. Well, we went way longer than we anticipated, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, Do you just want to end on one last tip? each leave the audience with something? Yeah, I'm going to say something really similar to what I said last time, but monitor what you throw away and why you threw it away, because that's going to help you prevent in the future. So did you throw the celery away because it was just floating around in the refrigerator? Was it not stored properly? Did it get pushed to the back? Did you buy it for a recipe that you never cooked? And from there, you can decide in the future okay, that recipe was too hard. Okay, that was too much work. I need to kind of ease off and make something that's easier. I need to clean the fridge. I need to reorganize the fridge. Or maybe I just don't like that thing. I'm not buying it again. Mm-hmm. So definitely like reevaluating and assess it, assessing what, you, what you've been doing and what's working for you is important. Um, and I think also just really kind of like starting small, like try not to be overwhelmed. Think about what works for you and what's, what's going on in your life, what works for your lifestyle. And maybe it's just thinking of, of one small thing that you can do a little bit differently. So just 
thinking about how do you store your vegetables or your fruits, or maybe it's trying to eat less Monday next week. And I'm going to take small steps to, <laughs> to reduce my food waste. And I think you guys gave a lot of really good tips for things that I kind of, you, you debunked a lot of the things that I would use as excuses. Like, oh, I don't want to eat the same leftovers for five days in a row, or I don't feel like figuring out how to utilize this in a recipe that I'm going to want to eat. And I feel like after we've talked about all these different solutions, I, I can't use those as excuses for myself anymore because there are resources and, and ways that I can make thoughtful choices. Even the, you know, buy, not buying that big bag of carrots or not buying those carrots at all that I know I'm not going to use if other than, you know, the little sprinkle that I'm putting on top of whatever it was that I was making. So I feel like you helped me. I hope we helped somebody else out there with this information. And thank you guys so much for spending two weeks with me and um, hopefully educating some people in our audience. Thanks for having us back. That was fun. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We hope that the information was helpful. If you want to follow us on Instagram, I created a new Instagram at Educated Spending. You can DM us there and we'll see you next week.